Hey, you're listening to Blindsight. Let's go. Dental health isn't something to take lightly. It's time to fight. It's time to thrive. Let's do this. Hello there. This is your host, Bill Lundgren of Blindsight, the program on mental health. Welcome and hope that it's been a good a uh, week or so for you uh, certainly was uh, good for me. And today we're going to be talking about mindset. We're going to be talking about attitude uh, because I think it's real important and is a key in terms of our being the kind of uh, success that we want to be. And there are so many things that get in the way of that mindset that uh, we need to take a look at it and look at ways around it. And to help me today, I have our producer, Jonathan Price, to kind of help for the two of us to bounce ideas off and hopefully be helpful to all of you. Uh, And so welcome. And welcome, Jonathan. How was your week? Uh, My week was pretty good. I'm uh, speaking of attitude. I'm very angry. I'm I'm gonna no I'm just kidding no I'm 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 very excited um, I see you buffs um, I yeah I'm gonna jump on I'm back on the bandwagon for CU Buffalo football and so they uh, throttled not really throttled but they beat TCU pretty well so I'm excited about that and um, sure and then tomorrow they're playing Nebraska so I mean they're that's gonna be a game and a half so I'm gonna be enjoying enjoying that but uh, Bronco football is back CU football is back. Uh, the fall is coming, fire pits going, leaves changing. Oh, this is one of my favorite times of year. So I'm in a good place. That's great because that's uh, so, sort of what I'm feeling for different reasons. But, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a school district where everything started after the after Labor Day. Sure. And I always felt like, oh, it's a new beginning. Yeah, uh, you know the mistakes I made last year, I won't make this year. <laughs> yeah, that's, I promise to turn that term paper in this year. That's called delusion. But anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 sense is though, uh, it can be excitement or it can be fear. It yeah. can be a whole lot of things for kids and any anniversary for, you know, for adults, it may be the anniversary. It, for me, as a kid, uh, the day after Labor Day was New Year's Day for adults, mm. New Year's Day, or yeah. as I say, anniversaries. We reflect at that time, okay, this is the way it's been. What is it going to be now? And oftentimes, our our mindset, our mental attitude determines not only uh, what we think is going to happen, but maybe what happens. And that's why we have to mm. look at what we do and what we yeah. think, and how we how we come off to other people may be very dependent on how we see ourselves. Oh yeah, and oftentimes. We see ourselves much more negatively than other people see us. And well, we're gonna unless, you're nar- unless you're narcissistic. Well, <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, that's but true. then that's all. I, I love we're, the. It's it's interesting that you say how you feel about yourself because, you know, this last weekend or, or last weekend, 
I went hiking with a, a friend of mine, a now friend of mine, Jenny Owens, and um, and then I went hiking by myself. But I needed to be outside. And when I mm-hmm. realized I needed to be outside, my whole mindset changed. And I hiked almost 20 miles uh, between the couple of days that I was out. And it was incredible. I realized that I had a lot more energy. I felt better about myself. I've been trying to lose some weight. Uh, been trying to uh, get my mind right uh, around certain situations that are happening in my life. And the way that I feel about myself now over the last like two years from, from like two years ago is so completely different. My mind feels sharp. It feels clear. It feels clean. Now I have my days where it doesn't, but it's, a wonderful experience, especially getting outside and getting outdoors. That vitamin D saturating me was just incredible. Well, I think you're you're on the right track of what we all need to think about in terms of how to change our mindset. One of the things you're proposing is getting out of nature. And there is so much documentation now that shows that uh, na- being out in nature yeah. has profound effects on people. In Scandinavia, there there are mental health centers, hospitals, that yeah. take their patients out into the woods as part of their treatment Yep, because it makes a change. And, you know, it, it very, very much in a way of... of a mystical communion with nature yeah. helps your mind to come into some kind of uh, homeostasis. Well, and, if you remember, if you remember uh, Aaron Huey, uh, he did that with those kids who were going through the addiction process and would take them to a special camp and they would do a, a very intense, like, I don't know, refocusing and reshaping of, of what they were going through. So it's it's important to get back to that nature aspect. Absolutely. And that's one of the one of the things we're fortunate living in those of us that live in Colorado is that the uh hiking trails are so accessible. Oh, absolutely. Now and one of the things that uh, you know, because I know that we have a people in our uh, listening audience who are blind, you know that more and more people are paying attention to providing hiking trails where we can go mm-hmm. by ourselves if, if uh, well, yeah. we want to, because they're yep. setting it up. One of the uh, things I heard on the news recently is not here in Colorado, but I certainly hope it will be, is... Uh, uh, for those those who are used to uh, a device called uh, Pen Friend, mm. uh, hiking trails are putting the information that's on their board yeah. on Pen Friend, and so you they give you a Pen Friend. You go, you put the Pen Friend on the dot, and yep. it has all the information in audio format. That's awesome, isn't it? All awesome. Plus, they're putting out. Uh, trails. I know there's one uh, around here that Braille trail. Is, yeah, right. Yep. Actually, I think there's two. And in fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, yesterday, uh, Penn and Evan 
went to go experience the uh, Braille, tra- a new Braille trail that's coming up. And uh, it, so I'm looks, I'm excited to hear what their feedback is sure. uh, when they mm-hmm. come back. And, you know, it, hi- you mentioned hiking, and that's something that we do in Colorado a lot of. But it's important to be able to get out just even if it's not hiking, just taking a walk around your neighborhood, your park, lake, whatever have you. Right. Wherever you are in the world. To yeah. be able to get out in nature, because one of the one of the the uh, recovery process for us from the pandemic has been to move from hiding out in our homes out into the world, and mm-hmm. for many of us, that is, you know, we've lost that uh, skill yeah. to be able to manage, uh, to take risk, to. Uh, be with people to move out of that comfort. Sure. And that's one of the things, again, our mindset is so used to hunkering down. And now we have to go out and we go, we go out and we become much more timid because we haven't taken these things like going out for granted like we yeah. used to. And when we have all of these are, are in, in a sense, new experiences, as soon as we get into new experiences, we get real, we can get real nervous and say, oh, I can't do that, or uh, is it worth it, and so forth. And again, that's a mindset that we have to deal mm-hmm. with, yeah. that we get out and we get used to uh, going out and doing things and, you know, is, and, and relearning that uh, uh, sense of excitement mm-hmm. and freedom to just do whatever it is that we want to do without yeah. fear. But that takes training. That takes, you know, our saying, okay, it's worth getting out of this comfort zone. So the other yeah. part... The other part is to pay attention. What is it that I want to do? Yeah. What I think in in that process is to understand that we can change our mindset. We're talking mm-hmm. about nature, but the other way that we can change our mindset is by getting out and doing, mm. or saying, "Okay, I'm I'm uncomfortable with the idea." of uh, getting out. What do I need to do to help myself be more comfortable? Sure. See, a lot of times what happens is say, oh, I'm too nervous, I won't do it, and then you, we stay home. And that can be the worst thing that we can do. We give yeah. up. And then we dislike the consequences. So, see, one of the things that people forget is that we really have two parts of our thinking that we need to use in tandem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure, Jonathan, you know people who all emotions. They <laughs> they couldn't deal with a, a logical thought if somebody gave it to them in a silver platter. Right, yes. And then there are people in the world who are all logic. They wouldn't know an emotion if they tripped over it. (laughs) And, you know, I know, unfortunately, I think I was raised with some people who were all logic, and I have tended to do that myself. Yeah. But ideally, what we do 
What we need to do is to use both to help us. Now, emotion, we have anxiety, for example, which Mm -hmm. is an emotion which, in fact, saved uh, or enabled the uh, the human being to survive. You know, right. we we hear a sound, we feel that anxiety, fight or flight, right. and you know, we either run to our cave or we deal with whatever it is. Right. We retain that today far out of proportion to what we need, and that's where the logic has to come in. We have to say, okay, wait a minute, this makes me very nervous to do X, Y, Z. What do I? What is it? It makes me nervous, anxious, and how can I overcome that? Does that mean uh, do I to have someone go with me? Mm. Does that mean you know what? What does it take? And the two together can help us to be okay to make those kinds of choices that we need to make to make our life work. But it is a combination of the two. Respectful of the emotion, but respectful yeah. for the logic that it takes to be able to say, come up with a solution. Right. Instead I think of just giving up. Well, they're, they're, I'm reminded of a box. And when I think of a box, you know, it's, or a cube, you have usually four sides and then you have the top and bottom. And we all live in a box. And I hate, hates a strong word. I choose not to use the term thinking outside the box. Yeah. Because cliche. <laughs> it, it's, it's, well, it's not only is it cliche, but I don't know that it's super accurate for what we yeah. in our lives go through. So when I try to think of either being creative, I usually divide that cube into four quadrants and you have like super creative, you have creative and logic, you have, like very logical, then you have logic creative. So there's a balance between what you're doing versus what you're perceiving you're doing. So if I'm, let's say that, uh, well, let's just use the example. Like we were just talking about earlier before we started the show about the calendar and about, Mm -hmm. you know, sending links through a calendar instead of through email. So one of the things that a lot of people Uh, struggle with is a fear of the unknown or a fear of the impractical or a assumption that something will happen when it may actually not happen. That anxiety you mentioned comes all the time. And we, we were born with an innate protective anxiety that is based in rational, something doesn't feel right in my spirit. I need to change something. I need to protect myself because of a situation is the same feeling that you get when you're walking down the street and you feel like somebody's following you or looking at you, or you're in a coffee shop and you just feel that twinge of uh, something doesn't feel quite right. And you start looking around and trying to figure out what it is. That's the, that's a different anxiety than, you know, walking into your kitchen and being afraid that the refrigerator is going to fall on you. It's a little bit different. But what I'm talking about is in this box, you have this very creative side that is that most people will associate with musical or artistic, or when they think of creative, they think, oh, they're just very flowy and very emotional and very happy and just all that kind of stuff. That's usually what we associate with a creative person. With a logic, we think of CPAs, accountants, very rigid, very blocked. 
What happens if a CPA is run up against a very difficult budget or a difficult problem? Are they not creative in their solutions to figuring it out? Are they not trained to think of things that are quote unquote cliche outside the box of their traditional thinking? Same thing with the creative person. If they want to create, like if Michelangelo wanted to create the Sistine Chapel and he was super creative, he had to logically plan out his colors, his patterns, you know, the scaffolding so he didn't fall (laughs) to the floor, you know, but changing your mindset and saying, okay, I can be creative in a very logical sense, or I can be very logical in a creative sense. Being able to take where you're at and use the creative side and the logical side at the same time may propel you to overcome a lot of the fears that you have about doing something new. Exactly. But you see, one of the things that in that uh, equation that you talk about, one of the, the wild cards, so to speak, is that when we start going into areas that we're not real familiar with, mm-hmm. then that uh, that uh, bugaboo comes up for us. This is new area. I'm afraid yeah. I'm going to fail. Yeah, and for sure. Of all the anxieties, that's one of the biggies because that's it. Uh, we fail. Uh, we have have a sense that if we fail. That has to do with us. You're right. That we're a failure, not that. Uh, the method that we used or whatever didn't work. Right. And we have to find some some yes. other way. It becomes very personalized. And that yeah. is one of the things that immobilizes more people is, you know, that fear that I'll fail and that people will see me as a failure and, you know, my world will collapse, so to speak. And so often, that's one of the uh, the thing. The first things that we have to do is kind of say, "Wait a minute! There, it really is no such thing as failure." No, that's a myth. Not. Yeah, but it uh, means that there's a different way of doing what you're trying to do. You know, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. uh, the inventor of the Macintosh, had. Uh, given up the first time he failed, we wouldn't have the the uh, kind of technology we have today. And I know some of some of us wish we didn't have this technology, but we got it. But the thing yeah. is, is because he tried different things, he tried different ways, and then he found the quote right solution. And we have a whole different world today because of what he did but he wasn't locked into the fear of failure. Well, yeah, nor was Edison. I mean, Edison has the most famous quote, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Right, right, right. And in fact, when you say that, I think about the fact that my grandfather was one of his patent attorneys, I found Oh, no way. Yeah, and and my grandfather, so I hear, told our family he was the most disagreeable person he's ever worked with. But (laughs) anyway... Think of but, how many yeah, volts that exactly. guy. Think of how many volts that guy absorbed when he was trying to figure out the light <laughs> <Right>. bulb. <laughs> but yeah, right. He he found lots of ways to fail, and before he came to where uh, something 
succeeded. And we get very impatient, too, because we want yeah. the answer, right answer right away. But right. that isn't how it works. No. But it also the same thing in terms of when our mind is immobile. Mm -hmm. When our mind is a, I don't know what to do, then we have to uh, step back and think more clearly. I was telling you the other day, Jonathan, about my copier not working. Yeah. And I've never tried to fix, uh, you know, this kind of problem that I was having. And I thought, oh, God, I've got to get a new copier, not a yada, yada, mm -hmm. yada. And a friend of mine was helping me, and we were getting in our in each other's way. Finally, uh, we said, okay, stop. We're not going to do anything more with it. And in fact, it was a couple of days, I was sort of thinking about it in my mind. I said, I wonder if, or right, this is the problem, you know, it, it says jam, but we yeah. can't find the paper that's jamming it. And what? Oh, maybe if I, and I took out a, a, a can of uh, of spray, you know the the uh, thing you use in the computer. Yeah, yeah. I blew this uh, burst of, of wind all through the computer, plugged it in, and I was waiting for the thing to beep, 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 jam, and it didn't. Ah, yes. And I said, "Oh, by you know, just by thinking it through and taking a chance." I made it work, and the copy is working perfectly now. Right. Yep. But you see, it's that we have to step back. And one of the things that uh, I tell people when they're feeling that ang that anxiety, we have to step back, and we have to get into some mindfulness work. Yes. That is the deep breathing. Most, mm -hmm. a lot of if people who've worked or been around babies know the babies breathe through the belly, from the belly, yep. you see their, you know, their belly's moving. Right. When we're adults, we tend to move the breathing to the chest. Yep. The problem with that is that's where anxiety is. And we're really right. kind of hyperventilating. Yep. And it's real hard to think clearly when you're hyperventilating. <laughs> yes. So. Yes, that's fight or flight. That's the anxiety right. part. But if we remember then to wait a minute, I'm getting real worked up about this problem or this situation. If we can step back like I did with the copier and to take a few moments to just uh, take a deep breath from the belly, inhale, let the belly extend. Mm-hmm. And when we're taking in as, as much air as we can, hold it for a minute, and then exhale very slowly. Feel that belly movement pushing all the air out. And do that mm -hmm. a couple times. Then what happens, we, we know this from, uh, from our uh, scientific work, what it's doing is sending a message to the brain to calm. Yeah. And then things begin to become clearer mm -hmm. to us and maybe the solution will come. Sometimes I, I find that, uh, you know, for me, uh, when I take a shower, some of these solutions come and I'm not even yes. looking for it. That's or right. uh, there may be uh, other ways, other times when people just not think, doing dishes, for example. Tactile distractions. Hand. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Doing laundry, all those things. Doing laundry. Wonder, when you're concentrating, when you're focusing on something else, your brain is working. That's right. And you may say, oh, that's what I need to do. And then the solution comes. And that's where you allow yourself, your creative impulses to really help you to find a solution. Right. The, well, that's why a lot of, uh, I know a lot of theoretical physicists will do art or they'll, um, they'll be very active outdoors because you know, for a lot of people that are very high thinkers, you know, I am so not one of them. But when you have people who are very high thinkers and they're working through these very complex problems, their brain is always working on it, regardless of what they're right. doing. And right. I remember there's this show called Big Bang Theory. And I don't know if you you know of it, but no. mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are maybe fans of it. But there's this character, his name is Sheldon Cooper. And there's an episode where He's a theoretical physicist working on uh, a portion of string theory that he just cannot get figured out. And because the the molecules are too small, and so he has to make them try to make them bigger so he can revisualize them and reconceptualize what's going on. And he <laughs> doesn't sleep for like several days. And so he's just crazy about this problem. And so he takes this job as a waiter to try to clear his mind and to mm. try to get rid of all this stuff. So he takes this job as a waiter, just working part-time or maybe it's even volunteering. But anyway, so he's walking around and he's getting super irritated and somebody knocks the tray out of his hand and all the food goes all over the place. And he sees very clearly because his mind was cleared of the clutter that in all the rubble and the wreckage of this tray that was on the floor, he was able to see clearly what the solution was to his physics problem. And a lot of times we go through life looking at our problem for what the problem is rather than what the problem can be. Right. And, and a lot of times the solution is never just staring us in the face. It's only staring us in the face when we turn around and we look at it. But and, one, of the, one of the other things, too, is that our brain's working even when we're asleep. Yeah. And there have been many times when I have, you know, have to write a presentation or something. I'm trying to figure out how to start the thing or how to, or some passage that I just don't like how it's coming. And I've gone to bed. And then when first thing, when I wake up in the morning, the line was staring at me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the way I need to do it. And then I go immediately to the computer. I type it out. And then. The rest of it flows from there, but it's these blockages that we give ourselves, yep. we create for ourselves by trying too hard. And so, so many times, what we need to do is to step back. Yeah. the The other thing that I think is important when we talk about our thinking is to, is particularly when we do this, uh, uh mindset on ourselves that we aren't Mm. good enough and we can't solve the problem we can't uh do what is required then that's when uh, the cognitive behavioral therapists talk about are looking at our irrational thinking right you know our all or nothing thinking uh, nobody loves me. I joke about that when I pick up the mail and there's nothing in it. I say, 
oh, nobody loves me, even the bill collectors don't send me any any notices. <laughs> but and that for me is a joke, but for a lot of people, there's yeah. all kinds of things that we go into this all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And what the uh therapists recommend is that we sit sit down and take those irrational thoughts write them down, and then look at them and say, okay, what is rational here? Mm -hmm. Yes, some people don't like us, but that's to be expected. Nobody is loved by everybody. Right. But these people care about me. So that my thinking that nobody loves me is irrational. And then we can begin to frame things in a more rational way so that we can think more clearly about whatever the situation is and also about ourselves. Yeah. Well, one of the, there's two things that have helped me as a tool uh, in, in getting my mind to be unlocked. At least if I'm, if I'm in a very, very stressful situation, um, if I'm not doing laundry or doing dishes, those are my two usual like things where my mind is naturally unlocked. But one of the first things is to um, take a piece of paper, regardless of what size, and just start folding it. Fold a corner, fold a piece of it, get my hands to do physically something that I'm looking at something that I'm manipulating this piece of paper, just folding it. It doesn't have to be a plane. It doesn't have to be a bird or any fancy mm-hmm. origami, mm-hmm. just folding it and getting my hands working. You can also do this with clay or sand. If you have the uh, kinetic sand, that's a really good thing too. The second thing is uh, doodling, drawing yeah. little pictures, drawing even just a straight line and just kind of like letting your pen flow over the paper just to get your body moving in some way, shape or form so that your mind can start to relax. And right. those those very small, tangible things can actually unlock a lot of insights when you're going through a fight, fright, <laughs> fight or flight or freeze right. aspect. Right. Well, the different parts of the brain is operating when you're doing an activity as opposed to thinking. And so sometimes when moving to that part of the brain that has to do with the activity, then allows the... Uh, the uh, side that trying to problem solve is freed and can, yeah. you know, then, then the solution can come. But what, what we're talking about is uh, being able to move from the project and let go. Yeah. You know, there's a serenity prayer has the advantage. It says, uh, and ask for the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And mm-hmm. that line that gets everybody is the wisdom to, wisdom know, the to difference. know the difference. If we That's can right. just free ourselves up and say, look, you know, this may <laughs> not be solvable, so let me leave it. Or this, you know, I just have to let it let it flow, not try to beat it to death, but to just give it time to kind of germinate and Mm -hmm. to grow but we get very impatient we want the answer now we want we want to find the solution and that's where things get in the way in the way too many people too many people don't take joy or pleasure in the journey yeah and 
And that's one thing that I've learned to do. I so much would rather enjoy the journey. Yeah, the destination is nice, but once you get to the destination, there's always going to be another destination. Right. So when you can adapt your thinking to enjoying the journey that you're on, you're going to incorporate and experience so many more wonderful things than just the destination has for you that you will have a greater appreciation of that destination when you get there. Well, the issue, the, see, the issue isn't uh, the journey per se. It's, uh, you know, the final destination. It's enjoying it as you go along. That's what the mindfulness people talk about. You take a mindful walk where you are observing how your feet feel, how your, uh, what you experience, the air, whatever, every uh, experience, every here and now, uh, sensation. And, you know, for, for blind people, for example, we might say, well, that doesn't make any sense. But we as blind people have some, have the other senses that can teach us what we need to know. Or if we're deaf, we have other senses that we can activate mm-hmm. to experience and to utilize and understand uh the journey as it's happening. I've learned with my dog, yeah. the even the the pavement, uh, so that I know where I am when I'm walking on uh, mm-hmm. the sidewalk. Uh, yeah. Oh, here, this is the way, or the the slope of the hill that I'm going down. That tells me everything I need to know, mm-hmm. and not the sight or the sound, right. but just okay. And but you see, we don't. A lot of times, that's one of the uh, the dis- things that sighted people don't understand is that we are getting sensation from areas that they would if they stopped long enough. Right. And, you know, we have an advantage because we're using these other senses that they aren't paying attention to. Well, even and, just the feel of the air around you is right, different. Right, exactly. And the sound, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hum of the air conditioner in a building that you mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things are so helpful to us so that we, in many ways, the, the job that we have is, as you're saying, to be mindful of everything that we're experiencing at the moment mm. instead of being distracted about the future or the past or whatever, to be present. Right in the moment that we're experiencing in order to get the most out of it and also to help us to feel in touch with ourselves. Right. That's the most important thing. We, we find ourselves uh, not really paying attention to who we are and what it is that we, uh, we're experiencing. We may even many times discount what we're experiencing and, and depend on other people to tell us what yeah. we're experiencing. Absolutely. And then, you know, and then those other people don't know us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the mindset is that I don't know anything. Everybody, I have to depend on other people to, to know everything. And then what does that do, do to our self-esteem? Yeah. When we keep looking to other people to... Uh, to validate us, to uh, to uh, help us to know what we're experiencing. 
I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he's one of those people who is a go-getter. Like he'll take very fast, very big strides in both, I mean, actual physical strides, but then he's a very fast walker, a very fast runner, a very fast talker, a very, doesn't like to be idle for too long. And I had to tell him, I was like, buddy, you need to, um, you may get to the mile faster than anybody else, but I guarantee you that a million little steps will still get you there. And for him, that's a mindset of slowing down, reevaluating and enjoying these little tiny things because he missed so many things on like if you're hiking, you miss so many things. If you're running up and down the trail, you forget Mm -hmm. to look at the scenery, you forget to look at the flowers, you forget to feel the rocks and, and, and taking a million little steps will oftentimes get you there, not only safer, but more wise. Exactly. And I think that, you know, what we're talking about is our using our resources to validate ourselves, to validate our experiences, and to take the time. Really, there's so many people who don't know themselves. And that's sad to say, because that's where we have to start. Yeah. And we, we decide who we are or what we are through other people's eyes. And that's not valid, I don't think. And that's where the depression comes in. That's where the anxiety mm-hmm. comes in. That's where we begin to see things that are wrong with us when we don't take the time to say, wait a minute, what is true about us? What is, you know, who am I? And what is it that I really want? You know, I want to go on a trip such and such, but I'm afraid to go by myself for for X, Y, Z reason. And we said, wait a minute, let me step back and say, how much do I want to do it? And what confidence do I have in myself that I could enjoy this by myself? Or if I can't do it, who is it that can go with me who won't interfere in my enjoyment or right. tell me what I'm enjoying? Yeah. Somebody who will just accept me as I am. Yeah. Which is hard if you don't accept yourself as you are. <laughs> right. It's got to start, you know, with the individual saying, this is who I am. I'm, you know, I like uh, who and what I am. Mm-hmm. But boy, it's, it gets real tough for us to, particularly, again, if there's something different. If we're, you know, a, a lot of women get these messages about, uh, you know, they're not good enough. Right. And so, unfortunately, too many of them kind of uh, absorb that and assume that the other people are right. And or someone who's of a different uh, ethnic origin or whatever, we get all these negative opinion and give other people the power to decide whether or not uh, we're valid, we're allowed to be here. And that's the fortunate part of what's happening now where people are saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to let you invalidate me. Right. And that's true for physical disability, that's true for all of these things. But boy, it's tough to do it when you have those messages from other people. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to use the logic and the uh, 
to help us understand that these people really don't know who we are. (laughs) I know who I am. Yep. And I'm going to trust in that and, and do what it is that I think is right. And if I, if I'm wrong, it's okay. I can change, you know, what I'm doing in order to make me feel like I'm, you know, I'm valid. I'm not a failure. Right. And again, I think it's the uh, part of it is to say there's no such thing as failure. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. And, and that I can go wherever I want to go. And I need and I, I um, you know, be with myself in the woods or on a hiking trail, being yeah. with, uh, you know, hopefully on that trail, you can say to yourself, ah, I can't imagine anybody that I would find more enjoyable to be with than me. <laughs> That's a pretty grandiose statement, isn't it? That's right. I'm so humble. I pride myself in my humility. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But what I mean is, you know, if you are comfortable with who you are, then you can succeed in the things that you need to do. The process yeah. is helping you to uh, discover who you are and to take risk and to uh, take a chance in failure, but also to say, this is a learning experience for me. And I know that this is, uh, it's, this kind of comes up in 12-step rooms, you know, they say uh, opportunity for growth. And then some people say, oh, I've had enough opportunity for growth. Right. But, but it is that, that kind of learning experience and that trust that you really do know what you what you need. You just need to trust it and be willing to learn if it doesn't work, you know, things that don't work out. But know that ultimately you're the only one that's the judge of you, not somebody else. Well, Bill, what do you want to leave as their final thought? Well, I'm hoping that we, you and I, have kind of helped people to think in a different way because too much too much time is spent uh, repeating the same pattern and navel gazing, and but uh, it's reflection as opposed to navel gazing. That is mm-hmm. saying, okay, now this is what I'm thinking about myself. How valid is that? Yeah. Is this something that I need to adjust? And you know, how do I do it? There is an answer, and I can find it. That's our job. What about you? Yeah, I think just taking the the mindset of that you 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 can change everything. That nobody is immune to needing to change a mindset. Just like a Formula One car driver is always tinkering with how to get a little bit more performance out of their car. Mm-hmm. We should also be tinkering with our mind to get the most out of it that we can. We should never be stagnant with our ability to increase in knowledge. And when we are stagnant, we end up becoming less fruitful, less happy, less observant, and less wise. Yep. So with that, we end today's broadcast and wish all of you uh, the best. And to have you feel free to contact us 
uh, by email through the uh, AINcolorado.org. Give some feedback. We've been getting some feedback. We're delighted to have it and hope that it shaped the program. We hope this, this has been helpful. This is Bill Lundgren and Jonathan Price, uh, your co-host today, program of Blindsight. Goodbye.